0: Second Corinthians is another letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And, and just to, to illustrate a little bit what is going on there, um, Paul was used of God to start the church at Corinth. And I'm going to illustrate here if Kelly, could you help me? This this is going to represent the church at Corinth. Kelly is representing the apostle Paul, okay? He said, Phew. Okay? So Paul had come to Corinth by himself. He was weary. He'd been persecuted and abused and run out of towns, all for the cause of Christ. He came to Corinth, and we won't go over it, but it was a very, very wicked city. And he began ministering there, and many people came to know Christ as Savior. Well, Paul left there. We'll have you... This is the rest of the world. You can go over there, okay? Paul left there, and and he then... Later, about a year later, he heard some reports. Um, Phoebe, here, come here, you want to help me? He got a message from someone that told him, things, things aren't going well in Corinth. Alright, you delivered your message, good. Things aren't going well in Corinth, there's division, there's fighting amongst them, um, it's not good at all. So Paul wrote to them the first letter, okay? He wrote the first letter, and we looked at that last week. He sent that to them, and he said, I hear there's divisions among you. That that proves that you are are not right with God. He said, there's immorality in the church. You need to take care of that. You need to make things right. And it was a pretty hard letter that Paul wrote to them. Well, many in the church at Corinth responded positively. In fact, one that he called out—a man that was living immorally—that um, was specifically called out, repented of his sin and and was making things right and and. Yet there were still problems. There were people in the church at Corinth that said, you know that Apostle Paul, he said he was going to come back and visit us again. He hasn't come back and visited us again. And, you know, I don't really know that he's an apostle either. In fact, I don't know if we can pay any attention to him. And that was what was taking place in the church. There were people that were questioning him. Well, Paul got wind of this, and Paul's chief concern, you never know what Kelly's going to do, do you? <laughs> <coughs> Paul's chief concern was for the glory of God and for the good of this church. And he heard about the division. He heard that they were trying to, to turn away them from, from the teaching that he was given. And he sat down and he wrote another letter to the church at Corinth. And much of the letter, he was defending himself. But again, you'll see he wasn't defending himself because I'm so great and I'm special, he says, this is the church of the living God. And Satan is trying to destroy it, and, and in this letter, as we're going to see, he wrote to them, defending himself, a large part of it, and also giving them some advice, also giving them some encouragement, a number of them had done right. Like in any group of people, there are people that, that desire to do right, and then there are others. And and yet, here was a living example of what took place in a church at Corinth, a very, very practical letter, and a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul, not for personal interest or gain, but concern for God's namesake. Okay, you can go back as Kelly, all right? You can go back to the church at Corinth. He was going to write another letter. The third Corinthians, okay? So, we, we have just sung the song a moment ago. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is His new creation. By water and the word, from heaven he came and sought her, the church, to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her. He paid the price for us. And for her life, the church, believers, for her life he died. We said last week that God takes very serious Local churches, 1 Corinthians was written to a local church, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians were all written to local churches because God said, I am going to build my work, my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, anything God is for, Satan is against. And Satan is relentless in his attack on believers, and in particular, on the church. It would probably be a, a fair statement to say that there arise more problems in churches than in rotary clubs. Would you probably say that's true? There arise more problems in churches than there do in Kiwanis or Odd Fellows or Daughters of the American Revolution or or whatever else. Would you say that's probably true? I'm not saying those others don't have problems, because wherever you have people, you have problems. But why? How many of you have ever experienced problems in a church? How many of you are awake we mentioned last week there are problems in churches, one, because there's people in church. And wherever people are, there's problems. Wherever I go, there I am. And wherever I go, there are problems, okay? Wherever you go, there are problems. We take them with us. But much more than that, God designed a church and God wants to be glorified in the church and that's why it's even more intensified because it's spiritual warfare. Just like in the church at Corinth. When, when Paul left the church at Corinth, there were people that saying, ah, oh, that Paul, he's a nutcase and, and he's a false apostle and yeah, not a man of integrity. You can't trust him. And so they were, Satan was trying to stir up things, disrupt the work that God was doing. And Paul wrote then this second letter back to them. And I, I trust that you'll read through this second, um, book to the church at Corinth several times this week. But in chapter two, he is addressing. This brother that he called out in the first letter that had repented. <clears throat> and he's writing to the church and he said, I, I rejoice to hear that this one has repented. And he said, now, now make sure you treat him in a proper manner. And he says, we don't want him to be swallowed up with with discouragement or despair or anything along that line. And and I'm just telling you, if you've forgiven him, I forgive him as well, and let that be known. And, and he says in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 2, Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive, for if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one of... One for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So he says, he's talking about forgiveness, we'll touch on that in a little bit more. But he says, we need to be careful in this matter, because Satan is coming in with many devices against the church at Corinth. Against us, he's bringing many devices Because he wants to destroy the work of God. And he says, we are not ignorant of his devices. So, in part, he is writing. There's several times he said, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. He wasn't calling them ignoramuses. He's saying, we need to be alert to... What Satan is trying to do, even as a coach will alert his team, this team runs a play. They fake the handoff here, they pitch it to that guy, and he passes it down there. You gotta be careful. You don't bite on this and and follow this. And Paul is writing to them, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. He is trying, and he always has, from the very beginning, When Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Satan is trying to destroy the work of God, and it is a miracle. Um, If any businesses were run like churches, they'd never, ever make it. Absolute truth. And it shows you that the work of a church is a work of God because mankind Christians have done enough to try to destroy it that it's a miracle that it's making it it's a, it it is of God but Paul is saying to them now be careful we want to work with God and not against God and so the the overriding theme of this letter is first of all Paul's defense of his integrity His, his defense of his authority. He's giving a defense of the authority that God put him here, and he is the God given authority, was, having started that church and so on, and he was given a place of leadership, not necessarily that he desired it, but he's giving a defense of his authority. As we said, there were false teachers that had come in. They were preaching another Jesus. They wanted um, their satanic lies to be deceived. They wanted to bring disruption. And they had assaulted his authority, as we mentioned. Um, You know, Satan has never changed his method of operation, and he still works to bring division and still works to to confuse and confound the work of God. But as you read through this book, you'll see Paul is saying, I came to you with pureness of heart. I didn't come demanding anything from you. I came as a servant and i i am willing to serve but he says i want you to know that i am i am a follower of god i am god god given authority for this and they said they had all kinds of things we don't even know that that he's a hebrew and you'll read paul said they say i'm not a hebrew trying to undermine his authority and he said I was born a Hebrew. They bought their citizenship another way. I was born a Hebrew. And he, he they, they then would bring up other accusations. And you'll that's what you'll read here. He was defending himself. You say, what is the message in all of this? It is important for us to understand that Paul's heart was for God's name through the church at Corinth. God still works in a church, God still works through a church, and God still works through the authority in the church. It wasn't about Paul, and you'll see that as he goes through this. And he says, we can't be ignorant of the devil's devices. We can't be ignorant of what's going on here. He then... and. And I mention on this in chapters 1 through 4, he deals with this. In chapter 7, in chapters 10 through 12, he deals with it. So when you're reading it and you come to chapter 10, okay, here's a defense that Paul is giving for himself so that you'll know what's going on. But in chapter 2, he now comes and gives a lesson on forgiveness. He wanted to emphasize, another point of his letter to the church at Corinth was to emphasize the need for reconciliation among believers. There were divisions, there were conflicts, there were sin, and Paul said, wait a minute, we need to be reconciled. There needs to be forgiveness and not just separation there needs to be forgiveness and reconciliation and and Paul addressed this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11 that they were to be reconciled to the estranged brother someone had done something wrong and rather than kick him to the curb rather than treat him as a, a stained person They'd, for, they'd sought forgiveness to make things right. You be reconciled to them. You be one with them. And, and failing to do that, failing to reconcile, failing to restore, plays right into Satan's hand. See, Satan is always about confusion and division, and envy, and strife, and unforgiveness. God is about genuine love. He is about forgiveness. He is about restoring. He is about grace. He is about thinking the best in others and lifting them up and helping them. And so... Paul, again, because of his great love for the church at Corinth, he defended his authority, and the bulk of the letter is about that. And then he teaches them about forgiveness. If someone has offended you, you need to get that made right, and you need to forgive, lest Satan should get an advantage, lest a root of bitterness in Hebrews, a root of bitterness... It will later spring up and it will trouble many. And he's saying, no, this is God's work. We can't let our flesh stand in the way of this. So he wrote to address that. And then Paul also wanted, as we said earlier, a number of the people at the church at Corinth were obedient. They read Paul's letter. They said, wow, that's what we need to do. They took steps of obedience. So he wanted to encourage. And give counsel to the majority of the church, it really was, that was seeking to do what is right. And so he gave them instruction that we'll just mention this morning in three areas. And he used his own life as an example. The first area was that there's power that comes through weakness or suffering. And in second Corinthians, he said, "When I am weak, then am I strong, then God. <clears throat> God is able to work in me. When we think we can't go any further and we look to God, then there is genuine strength. He you'll read, he said, I was I was shipwrecked. I was suffering famine. I thought I was nigh unto death. But he said, but God strengthened me. And he said, I have learned that when I am weak, there is strength in weakness because we have a renewed And a more focused dependence upon God. You may be facing something in your life that is beyond you. And you may feel, I have no power. I have no wisdom what to do. I have no place to turn. And Paul is writing to encourage, don't give up, don't quit. Because this is when God's power can be seen. And he wanted to encourage them in this, and he he established this, he tells of bearing about in his body the marks of Christ, and that, as we mentioned, he'd been at death's door and and all the circumstances in his life seem of no avail and he even said the first time he was at Ephesus when he wrote this letter, the first letter, then he was at Macedonia. And now he gets a report that things are going better, and he's encouraged. He said, I was ready to give up. I thought all my work at Corinth was in vain. He said, I thought all you people were just fussing and fighting and walking in the flesh, and why did I even go there? But then he said, no, and in my weakness, God is strong. And to learn to see that your weakness is an opportunity for God's strength. So he encourages them with that. He also gives a great, great... um, In this letter, it's like there's um, several segments that all of a sudden he'll... Oh yeah, I need to write to him about this. Chapter 5 is a great chapter about death and the gospel. And he's writing to encourage them. And, and he said, some of you are reporting that when you die, that's all there is to it. He said, no, no, no. As believers in Jesus Christ, when you die, you are absent from the body, but you are present with the Lord. And he's teaching them about death. He's teaching them how to view this life in chapter 5. And, and he brings down the end of chapter 5. And he says, you know, we have great hope because of this. And he says, verse 20, Now then we also are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then he, this is what creates the hope. Verse 21. For he, that's reference to God, made him, Jesus Christ, God made Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So God made Jesus Christ go to the earth He didn't know sin, but he became sin for us and died on the cross that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul said, because of that, we don't fear death. Because of that, we have a glorious future. This sin-cursed earth. Someday is going to be gone. We'll be present with the Lord. And he says, I'm calling you to tell others about this. He said, don't forget your salvation. Don't forget this. So he's encouraging them by reminding them in your weakness there is strength. By reminding them the bright future we have, that death isn't the end. And then he also reminds them through this, encouraging them to be servant leaders, to be servant leaders. He said, you know what? At times it feels like the more I love you, the less I am loved. But he said, it doesn't matter because Christ came to love us. We are to love one another. And so he's, through it, you'll read throughout it, and we're just hitting some of the high points today, but you read this and you'll find Paul's desire, Paul writing back, was not about him. He was willing to be a servant leader. I made all things to all men that they might be saved. And, and he wants them to walk in servant leadership. And then he gives them a great lesson in generosity. He he was writing to them and he said, the believers in Jerusalem have some great needs. There There's great poverty, they're being persecuted, and we're taking up collections that we're going to take and deliver to the believers in Jerusalem to help them. And then he goes in and he says to them, now I want you to be a part of this. I want you to give to this. And and it wasn't like he's just trying to raise money. He's doing it for their own good. He said, if you plant a little, you will reap a little. If you plant a lot, you will reap a lot. And he said, the Lord loves a generous, cheerful giver. And he said... To enjoy the heart of God and the blessing of God, he said, give abundantly. Read chapters 8 and 9. And and he's trying to, to encourage them to be willing to give, <clears throat> even out of their own necessity, to help the believers in Jerusalem. So you read this book, and as you read through this book, there'll be other things that will stand out to you. But one thing that will stand out is that God loves the church and Satan hates it. And Satan does all he can to cause disruption and defeat and discouragement and and it's important that we understand its spiritual warfare that goes on Satan does all he can to defeat it and so it comes down to this there's God and there's Satan <clears throat> and whose side are you on <clears throat> There, it's not just enough to say, I'm on God's side. There has to be a time when you're born on God's side where you call upon God made Jesus Christ to be sin for us that we could receive the gift of Jesus Christ and have everlasting life. There had to be a time that we call upon Jesus to forgive our sin and save us and then. We're on God's side. But you can be on God's team and not be an asset to the team. Have you ever seen a team play and it's like, wow, that guy, they may be better if they just put him on the bench, play one short? I mean, it happens especially in the lower levels, okay? But the reality is, in church circles, there's times that you need to ask yourself, is my attitude building or battling against it? Is my attitude building up one another and encouraging one another and helping one another for the cause of Christ? And that's what Paul was writing here. Or is my attitude battling against it? Is my attitude, it's either God's or Satan's, one or the other. It's either the spirit or the flesh, one or the other. And the reality is, you can't be neutral in it. I mean, the reality is, you, in your life, are either building God's work, or you're a weight on it. You know, you've, you've been in those situations. You've been in work situations where it's like you hit the ball, and you gotta drag Charlie with it. You know what I mean? You hit the ball, you're doing the running, but come on, Charlie, come on, come on. Sorry if your name's Charlie, but, Hit the ball and drag Charlie. Hit the ball and drag Charlie. Pretty soon you want to hit Charlie and then hit the ball. You know what I'm saying? Knock him out. out. Right. Okay. But reality, does God feel like he's hitting the ball and dragging us along? Or are we running with him? Are we saying, God, I want to serve in any way. God, I want to be used of you. I want to build. This is God's work. This is what God said he will build and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know Satan has brought all his forces throughout all of history against God's work? And it's not defeated. And it will not be defeated. And I'm telling you, that's a team I want to be on. And I don't want to be just sitting on the bench filling water bottles. I want to be used of God. There's some that sit on the bents and don't fill water bottles. They're dumping the water bottles. They're battling against it. We want to be ones, and this was Paul's heart. He said, don't let Satan disrupt what God has started here at the church of Corinth. He says, and don't let him twist your mind about God's authority. And don't let him get you messed up on Forgiveness and having an unforgiving spirit. And don't have the wrong thinking about when I'm weak, I might as well quit. No, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And don't get the idea that, well, it's no use, we're all going to die and that's all there is. He said, no, 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 the best is yet to come. Give yourself to servant leadership and have a generous heart like God. And he says, be committed to building. So we ask, whose side are you on? Have you, have you, by an act of your will, called upon Jesus Christ to get on God's side? And then if you are on God's side, are you building it up or are you battling against it? Heavenly Father, I pray that the letter that you have preserved of Paul to the church at Corinth, would speak to us in fresh ways. And, Lord, that we would understand your ways and that we would be used of you to build up what you said you would build. Lord, I pray for individuals that have never called upon you to forgive their sins and save them. Lord, I pray that they would see the urgent need of that and that today they would call upon you to forgive their sins. Lord, as we we sung earlier, there is a Redeemer. And we sang of the wonderful grace of Jesus that reaches the most defiled. Lord, thank you that your grace reached me and will reach whoever calls upon your name. So, Lord, I pray today, if there are unsaved, that they would call upon you today. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us as believers that we would examine ourselves. Are we building your work or are we battling against it? Are we supporting your team? Or are we being used of the devil to tear it down? So, Lord, I pray that you would accomplish your purposes through Second Corinthians as we give ourselves to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.